Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. It is a Tuesday. It is August 23rd. We're almost through with the grind of this month, and it's almost time for football. I've been saying that probably for about three weeks, but it's actually starting to be true. Uh, that's Bill Landis. I am Austin Ward. And got an idea. First, Bill mentioned this the other day for an idea for the show. Guys who we aren't talking enough about, who need more attention on the Ohio State roster uh, going into September 3rd, to play meaningful roles. How meaningful? Well, we'll get into that. It depends on which player we're talking about. Burn took it one step further. He jumped in in the snap judgments on Monday and said, hey, we're not talking about Julian Fleming enough. So the two of them combined uh, planted the idea in my head that that's really a good idea for us to do. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to try very hard to I'm, – I'm, listen, I'm going to talk about the offensive line, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to try to not start with the offensive line. Are you worried that you're just going to become an offensive line cliche or a caricature? Yes, or, I don't want to be. Uh, you know, I'm pretty actually. If people follow me on Twitter, I'm I'm pretty comfortable being a walking, talking cliche. So that's a that's a, I'm comfortable swimming in those waters. Do you know what? Like, that's not the first position that I would always think of with that had a soft spot in your heart. And I'm really <laughs> surprised. Maybe you'll do it today. I don't know. I would have thought that we'd have got some punting talk at some point before. August 23rd. Yeah, well, it's just so hard with this offense. Like, I want to, but I also don't <laughs> want to waste anyone's time. You know what I mean? Like, okay. I, I, I think it's an interesting, actually, kind of position to talk about because I'm, I'm not sure they were terrific at it last year. Um, so I do have some questions about it, but I also don't think they're going to be punting very much this year. This And the punts that we saw during – those that you know, we actually do see a lot more punting than pretty much anything else <laughs> yeah, when we're right, in yeah. there. I don't think it was great in camp from what we saw either. I don't think that Jesse Murko has quite lived up to the previous Australian standard, uh, or even what Drew Chrisman provided after that. So uh, that's why I thought maybe before now there would have been some mention of the punt game. Well, listen, that Australian standard is pretty high. Um, you're talking about a guy who was the best player on a national championship team in Cameron Johnston. So uh, I get it if it's not quite to that level. Sure. Uh, but Ohio State has has been has been spoiled when it comes to punters. You know, they've had some terrific punters in the program's history and, and recently uh to go from Cameron to Drew, uh that's really good. Drew Christman had a great career. So um it, it has not quite been that I do think Jesse Murko is pretty good at the pooch punt stuff, the the pinning guys inside the, the ten and five yard line. Um, but when it needs to be boomed down the field and you need to really flip the field, uh, it can get a little hairy sometimes. I guess it does help for Ohio State that they don't go three and out very often. So you're That's not right. asking for a lot of Cam Johnston 70-yard bangers. I mean, I want to see uh, – that's all I want to see. If Ryan, Day, <laughs> if Ryan Day on first down just decides he wants to put his punter out there to boom at 70 yards, I'm all for it. Okay. Well, let's assume that that's not going to happen. So maybe now we'll shift gears to some guys who probably play more significant roles, potentially, depending on where you go. And if you're ready, you can certainly go on the offensive line. Yeah, he Matthew Jones, I feel like he's he's a starter. He's going to start at right guard. There's been no question about that since the spring. We can never talk about him, (laughs) and I I get it. It's it's far from the sexiest position on the field. There's a there's a whole lot else to be enamored with when it comes to this offense, and and probably more interesting guys to talk about on the offensive line. But I find Matthew Jones's career arc fascinating, 
And, and I think the fact that he is a starter on what we think has the potential to be the best offensive line in the country, if everything hits right. And we just sort of like overlook him <laughs> is, is, is rather interesting. Cause I think he's, he's become a really good player. Um, I think when he first got on the field here, the first couple of years, I think you saw a guy who clearly had steps to make, especially as a pass protector. And then he got on the field a little bit in 2020. And I thought to myself, that looks pretty good. Like he looks like he's improved. And then in 2021, by midway of the season, I was like, he should play all the time. Yeah. I, I get why he didn't because it was a little bit of a delicate situation there. But the progress that he's made over the last you know, three years, the guy's been in the program a long time. He's been in the program for five years. The, pro- the progress he's made over the last three years, I, I think I would put up there alongside anyone else on the team in terms of how much better he's gotten. And you could also say, well, how in the world did Matthew Jones have the patience to stick this out? Like, you see a lot of other people in his situation where he play, he'd played enough. He earned champion grades, I think, two, three, four first times that he was out there in, in spot starting roles. He had a good champion run going. And then Ohio State was doing this, this del- delicate balancing act and playing tackles at guard. And that obviously forced Matthew Jones out of the picture. He couldn't have been like shocked if he'd said, you know what? I've been here forever and I'm good enough. I could go somewhere else and be a starter. So kudos to him for the, the patience uh, to see it through because this could be a very big year for him. And if if this offense and offensive line becomes what we think it might be able to, then he's still going to have that super high draft stock potentially, maybe not first or second round. But for him, with the amount of snaps he's actually had in his career to come back and then be a fourth or fifth round pick, that's pretty significant. Yeah, I think I think he's a pro at this point for sure. And you think about like I got like Jonah Jackson, he went in the third round, but when you're drafting guards in the third round, you're drafting them to be starters. Um and, and it might even go into the fourth round with with that position in particular. So for him to stick it through, like you said, like he he was put in, in a weird position last year with with the with the tackle playing guard stuff. And even before that, I, I don't think any of us thought that he was going to start in twenty nineteen, which was the second year, but they brought in Jonah Jackson sort of above him. Um, he didn't play in 2020 either. So this is a guy who would like at, at four or five different points along the way, if he would have left, you would have said like, okay, like I get it. It just doesn't look like it's in the cards for him here. But yeah, he's the, I think he's going to become, and there's been a few guys like this in the program, sort of the poster child for, for what you can get if you stick it out for five years. Yeah. I, I'm going to go offensive line adjacent and say that Mitch Rossi, outside of the actual tight end day that he talked, we're probably not mentioning him enough for at least relative to how much Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day value what he can provide. And I think there was there's a tendency perhaps to focus on Joe Royer and G. Scott because of what they might mean to the passing attack. And that's fine. But if Cade Stover is clear-cut A number one at tight end, which I think he is at this point for Ohio State, and Mitch Rossi is your best other, you know, secondary or complementary blocker. And Ohio State still wants to keep the two tight end packages in the offense. Well, to me, that says Mitch Rossi is going to probably play more snaps than Joe Royer and G. Scott. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I very well could be. But I I think that potential is there. And I asked, you know, both Kevin Wilson and Mitch Rossi about that, given what the play that sticks in my mind is not the blocking stuff. It's the catch and run in the Rose Bowl where I was like, well, he can do that. And he didn't 
go to the sideline. If you remember that play, you know, I, th- I don't know if it was Spider 2 wide banana or not, but it's that play action <laughs> out in the flat. And rather than just take the first down and get to the sideline, Mitch Rossi cut that bad boy up to the middle of the field, tried to, he was ready to welcome more contact to turn that from a 10 yard gain into a 20 yard gain. And I'm not bringing any of this up to say that he's going to catch 10 or 15 balls in this offense because he probably won't, but he might be in there for way more short yardage situations, a lot more key running situations, red zone situations that he may have an edge over Joe Royer and G Scott in that scenario. It wouldn't surprise me if that's the case. And we know that when Ohio state and Ryan Dave had it really humming and you had, whether that was a Luke Farrell, Luke Farrell and Jeremy Ruckert or, you know, anybody else, those one, two punches and then a third tight end can sometimes help out as well. They want that as part of the offensive arsenal. And I think that Mitch Rossi might not be getting enough credit for what his role could be. That's a really good one. Um, not one that, that leapt to mind immediately for me, but I think you're right in this. Like I, I, at the moment, I would assume that he's going to play more than Joe Royer and, and G Scott. And certainly that can change. Maybe one of those guys is more ready to be a blocker than we think, or maybe G is just such a, a weapon in the pass game that he gets on the field more. Yeah. Um, I don't like, I don't Mitch, Mitch, I think Mitchell probably, he might catch four passes all year and, and maybe that's even high, but whatever he gets, it's always going to catch you off guard which means it's going to catch the defense off guard. So I think like it's like a it's like a sneaky offensive play for them to get him involved in the passing game a little bit. But his his impact is much more about the blocking, obviously. And and especially in a world where they're not willing to run the quarterback quite as much as as Ohio State has done in the past. It just doesn't suit CJ's skill set, those designed quarterback runs. You need an extra body in there to to help, you know, get some space. And and Mitch Rossi, I think, is that guy. I think they have every belief in the world that Kate Stover is going to be a really good inline blocking tight end. Uh, but I think you need another element there, especially in the backfield, if you can get it out of Mitch Rossi. And something tells me, too, I, di- I didn't really get a chance to ask Kevin Wilson this. I wish I would have. Um, or I-, I guess I could ask Ryan Day before the season starts. But I-, I have a sneaking suspicion that they're going to play a little more with two tight ends than they did last year. Um, I think part of that is not having a bunch of established dudes at the moment at receiver. Um, but also because I think they want to, you know, you know, be a more physically dominant football team. And to do that, they want to put some bigger bodies out there. And Kevin Wilson told us that the first two tight ends are Kate Stover and Mitch Rossi. And and I expect that to be the case until G Scott or Joe Royer proves us wrong. I just, I think back to some of those, you know, schemes where I think it was when Jeremy Ruckert was starting to come on as a blocker and they'd put him and Luke Farrell on the same side and JK Dobbins would score some untouched touchdowns because mm-hmm. that right side of the line is just absolutely collapsed. I know that that happened specifically against Michigan state a couple times. I think it happened uh, in the rivalry game uh, before you've seen just how effective that can be. And Kate Stover and Mitch Rossi are going to put their face mask in, in a dude's chest. There's no problem about that. Yeah. So that can be, if you're looking for that toughness that Ryan days talked about throughout camp, you know, you're going to get it from those two. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and when you have that, I think it makes for some really fun offense. I like, I love their 2019 offense. I just thought it, I thought it was so fun to watch. Um, and it's not like there's different skill sets here to play with this group compared to that group, but if they can get those two tight ends going and get that run game to be like a little more diverse sort of playing off those tight ends, I think that can be really exciting. All right. What else you got? I'm going to flip it over to the defense unless you had another guy on, on the offense. Um, 
there were there are two guys that I kind of had in mind there. Uh, I'll start. I start with a guy that that I think you like quite a bit, um, and I know we've talked about the cornerbacks a lot, <laughs> like the, that position in general. Yeah. But I don't think we've gotten. I don't think we've gotten hyper specific on individual guys, uh, and I'm just very curious what a, what this season looks like for Cameron Brown because if he's healthy, he's going to start. I think you and I both think he's going to play a lot, if not the majority of the snaps, yeah. opposite of of Denzel Burke as long as he's healthy enough to do so. And do we just the flashes from him when he has been a hundred percent, and that's been like a very short period of his career. I think have been really good. Um, if he's able to put all that together for one season, I still think he's the guy that has the makings of being a really special cornerback here. Well, how long did you want this episode to go, Bill? I mean, uh, <laughs> we talk a lot about another Cameron and his injuries, and, and justifiably so with Cam Bab, but Cameron Brown just cannot catch a break and it's it's not isolated to one part of his body it's been uh from his feet to the top of his head and just when he was starting to get going again last year coming off of one injury he was hit with another and and had lingering effects from a concussion in the middle of the season that slowed him down and it's just they mounted and mounted and mounted and the debate for him when he was out there there were talent evaluators and scouts that were saying Cameron Brown has first-round NFL draft cornerback ability. Now, that might sound crazy, even to people who've watched his entire career, just because he hasn't had a volume of snaps to prove that. And when Ohio State would rotate or they would manage uh, even snap counts and rep counts within a game, I think, well, he's not out there enough to be talked about at that level. What they've seen from him physically as one of the top two or three fastest players on the roster the, the physical approach that he plays with on the outside, the different spots earlier in his career that he'd been willing to play and the experience that he got off the bench. Uh, he's another one who had to come in and play in, in that Michigan State game that I referenced uh, earlier with J.K. Dobbins that that was a tough situation in a spot where he had to perform. I believe Jeff Akuda was out at that time. He met the moment. I remember doing a, a Buck IQ with Zach Bourne where this was just about Cameron Brown and his emergence and what he could become. It's real. The guy has NFL ability. Does he gonna, is he going to have NFL availability because of his health? I don't know. I hope so because he deserves a break. Just knowing him personally, uh, I would love for him to get that chance that he's not had for one single year in his career. And it's almost like even the early parts of it, you remind people that this was somebody who was playing wide receiver and not really trained as a corner. And once it connected for him, my goodness, he's one of the one of the best guys in the country when he's healthy, in my opinion. And I think uh, he's he, I, the the fact that he's still having to have his reps monitored during camp is <laughs> concerning to me. Yeah, um, but I understand why. I just uh, there's just nervy moments about that, and that just beyond the the mentality that he plays with. Um, you know, Bobby Carpenter talks all the time on Mondays about these wild cards. He was the only one. Uh, with 11 Wolverines in his face and not backing down when their manhood was being challenged last November, Cameron Brown will not back down from that. So he's got some of that. I shouldn't say who, but I like those edgy. <laughs> I like those edgy cornerbacks who aren't afraid of that moment, but um, in a different way than one of my other favorites. Anyway, that's that's yeah. seven minutes of Cam Brown conversation for you. <laughs> I just I, I find them fascinating. I and I do. 
to that end, I, I think he's a guy whose play style, if he's available and on the field um, regularly, will just kind of like permeate through the rest of the defense. And, and that's something that this defense needs because there just just wasn't enough dogs on the, on the defense last year. And I think I think Cameron Brown is a dog if he can if he can stay out there. Yeah, and I think that Ohio State probably needs that because I don't I don't think Denzel Burke he's he is a very confident young man, but I don't think that he is outspoken in the way that Cameron Brown could be as a leader. Maybe Denzel will become that. Um, he's he's sort of got that Bradley Roby, uh, not big talk, but certainly cocksure swagger that mm. you can tell. But if you wanted somebody to actually get out there in a pregame and mix it up at midfield, I just feel like Cameron Brown's going to set that tone for that unit rather than anybody else. What are the guy on defense, I guess, before we wrap up here? Um, Teron Vincent. Yeah. I He's a hard one to figure out for me because I, I, I can't I, – I lump both of those veteran defensive tackles together, he and Jerron Cage. And maybe I shouldn't because my my overwhelming thought is like those guys are pretty good. I think they'll play, but I'm expecting the younger guys to eventually play above them or play more than them. But maybe that's wrong on Teron Vincent. I don't I don't know. How do you feel about him? Uh, mixed mixed bag for me. I I thought the Rose Bowl was far and away the most impactful game of his career, and there's yeah. not a whole lot obviously to compare to that. I don't know. If he can duplicate it 12 times, I think he's going to have to show that throughout September before I'd be like, okay, this is really here and it's really happening. It's, it's another situation that's somewhat similar to Cameron Brown with, he had one injury after another. And then in your mind, you're just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you can factor him into Ohio state's plans because I don't believe that he's going to stay healthy. And it's another one where if he does, well, that changes things because he's got I think maybe the size to to plug up uh, the run if you wanted to go with that or some of the speed and pass rush to be a three technique and it could be one of those guys that Larry Johnson really likes to build around. Uh, maybe that's the wrong read of it from my situation, but I think that he could play either spot and if he's able to recapture what he did in the Rose Bowl and duplicate that, then you're really looking at something. He said when we spoke to the defensive lineman last week, he was sort of asked, like, well, what was the impetus of you playing so well in the Rose Bowl? And he said, look, well, he was healthy and he could practice leading <laughs> up to that game. And and they had everybody at 15 bowl practices. So he had two really good weeks of preparation leading into that game and then played the best he's, he's ever played, which leads me to believe that and he's been healthy through this camp. And if he can stay healthy the next two weeks, he might show up in a major way against Notre Dame. But my question for him is the same as yours. Will he be able to show up week after week, or is there going to be something along the way that just doesn't allow him to prepare the way he needs to prepare to be a force week in and week out? Um, it could be more of a of a flashier, flash there kind of thing than a than a regular sort of dominant performance week after week. But either either way, I think he plays an important role in, in the defense. Um, but I I'm inclined still to believe that over the course of time we might see greater impacts from guys like Tyleek Williams and. Mike Hall and maybe even Ty Hamilton. Yeah, and the other part of that is Larry Johnson tending to, you know, make close calls and, and go in favor of the veteran players. In which case, you know, we may see Teron Vincent out there 
early and often against Notre Dame, but, um, you know, and if that's the version that you saw in the Rose bowl, that's all the better. I mean, I think Notre Dame have, have their hands full with that. I think somebody similar in that mold for me would, if we kicked out to the edge would be Javante Jean Baptiste and you know, why, why bring him up? If you already have JT, (laughs) Jack Sawyer and Zach Harrison, who is maybe somebody who almost fits into this mold as well after four years, but we know Ohio state is going to rotate defensive ends and maybe it's just some residual feelings that I had from a year ago where I thought Javante Jean Baptiste had one of the best camps of anybody and was coming out of his shell with his personality. Uh, you could tell that his body had changed from, you know, the three, four outside linebacker and he actually looked like a defensive end again. It, it He's going to be on the field a lot, I think, because I don't, I don't believe Larry Johnson is ever going to abandon a four plus four or five man rotation at defensive end. And he's got, because of that background as more of an outside linebacker and project, he could maybe do some of the Jack Leo type things. I don't know. It doesn't sound like he's been in the mix there quite as much as Sawyer or a Caden Curry, but he's physically developed enough that I think he can make some things happen that would surprise people. And that I don't think, an offensive tackle is going to get a breather if the fourth defensive end is out there. I think that he, he's he got the skills and the speed and now that strength and some confidence to go with it as a veteran that he can create some problems. He's probably not going to get a huge amount of opportunity to do it, but I think he could make the most of them. He was mentioned by Larry Johnson among the guys who are ripping at the Jack Leo spot. Okay. Um, I I agree with you that that I would put him like at best third in that kind of pecking order, but he, I mean he's you, if you lined up the guys on the roster by just how sort of like menacing they look physically, like the guy you'd <laughs> least like to go up against, uh, he'd be pretty close to the front of the line. I think he just he, yeah. he looks like a million bucks, but he's looked that way for for probably two three years now, and it just hasn't translated to to being as dominant on the field as maybe you think a guy who, who looks the way he does sh- should be. And, and and honestly, it feels – it's not the same thing as Zach Harrison because I think Zach Harrison has been good in ways that people don't appreciate, um, but certainly hasn't been as productive sack-wise as people want him to be. And I think Javante is in, in a similar vein, but on a, a few levels down from that. Um, so like I'm not on alert for him to suddenly become a star this year. But he does have some intriguing physical traits and I think is now in a defense where Jim Knowles might try to accentuate those in a way that could be really interesting for him and make him a little more productive and involved than he's been in the past. Yeah, I was just right when you said that about him and his physical skills, I had a flashback to Jalen Holmes and the pterodactyl arms. And mm-hmm. like we always knew what he could be. Jalen Holmes was already built like that throughout his career and Javante has needed some time to get to that level. But when you're talking about, you know, like 2017 Ohio State defensive line and Larry Johnson using four, you had four guys who were pros. And he was, you know, Javante, I think, has the potential to become that. Not a not a very high draft pick, not a superstar, uh, but somebody who could be in an NFL training camp because of what those physical tools are like next year. So we'll see. Uh, we know that Larry Johnson wants four. That's why I say he's probably more important right now than maybe we give him credit for um, the only, and the reason I say that and not include Tyler Friday is just that uncertainty about his own injury history. And 
you know, I think we're going to have to wait and see exactly what he looks like because I don't, I haven't had a great glimpse of what a healthy Tyler Friday can provide. All the reviews are positive and he earned a captaincy, but I, I feel like Javante may have a slightly higher ceiling uh, than Tyler Friday. So that's, that's why I keep lumping him as number four uh, and not Friday, just to be clear. Yeah, that that's the way that I view it too. It it, it almost felt bad because, and Tyler Friday was even getting asked about that last week. It's like, well, what are you, what are Ohio State fans going to see from you? It's like, well, this guy's played before. But even in the back <laughs> of my head, it was like, yeah, you know what? I'm having a hard time answering that question myself because I just feel like we haven't seen a lot from him just because you know that injury really set him back last year. But if it if it works out that Tyler Friday is the is like the fourth guy there rather than Javante, I don't think anybody would be surprised by that. They're kind of on a similar level right now but if i had to pick one of those two i'd pick javante at the moment all right wow that was a that was a lot of football talk for the podcast daily we didn't get to talk about breakfast foods or burn shopping at hollister (laughs) that was just a hardcore football show love it love it we'll give the people a break from from the nonsense for one episode from the nonsense Oh, okay you didn't want to send any sort of uh, morning wake up to berm and his twitter mentions about any random topics get it going uh what is uh? There's no like good Hollister emoji. I was gonna say send them like a, <laughs> just like spamming them with like a t-shirt emoji. It's not that not that good. Um, if everyone is Hollister, the store that like they spray you with uh, cologne when you walk in. I think. Well, I think uh, every t- when people Hol- see Burn Mountain Public, just give them a little spritz of just cologne. Spray them with perfume and <laughs> cologne. I think uh, Abercrombie is probably the one that sprays you. I haven't been mm. at either one in a long time, but they are owned by yeah, the same. Yeah, me neither. They're owned by the same company. So yeah, it's a scam. It's the same store. <laughs> One is slightly cheaper than the other, but they're still <laughs> way more expensive than they should be. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to shop there anymore that I'm not 21 years old. They never made clothes that fit me anyway. So I never had to go in there. Yeah. Believe it or not, they used to fit <laughs> me. I, that's a way in the past. I don't, I don't even have to think about it anymore. Okay. We've got a little bit of nonsense. We had to make sure that there was some got to keep everybody happy. Uh, that's Bill. I'm Austin. This has been the podcast daily uh, interviews shift to Tuesday night. Uh, all of them, I guess, for the rest of uh, camp practice. Uh, Buckeyes are back in school, so no more morning practices. So snap judgments uh, will move to later on in the day. If you're wondering, uh, that's the new format. They'll just apply Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Then no more media availability until next Tuesday when it is Notre Dame game week. Uh, can't come here soon enough. It's talking about training camp is getting old. Let's get to the games (laughs) uh, and a big one at that. That's Bill. I'm Austin. We will see you next time on the podcast daily.